the hard shoulder. All new Stoke. With the all new Nissan Juke. The coupe crossover by Nissan. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Every Wednesday here on The Hard Shoulder, we bring you The Last Post with John Kelleher, of course, who tells us about someone who's recently died, someone we should have heard of, but probably haven't. And this week, John, you're going to tell us about Isaac Shoshan. He has passed away at the age of 96, uh, passed away recently. Who was Isaac? He was a really interesting uh, man. He was an Israeli um, who posed as an Arab, as as a young man. Um, he was Syrian born and um, he in his early career, he was very much involved in kind of bombings and assassinations. Um, and later, um, he was a major player in kind of Israeli espionage operations. Oh, wow. um, very, very, a very brave guy, um, like a former Israeli prime minister, Ehud Barak, said um, he he actually was in an intelligence unit that Isaac uh, Shoshan set up. He said that he risked his life again and again on behalf of Israel. Generations of warriors, he said, myself included, learned their trade at his feet. Okay, that's some legacy. Listen, tell us about his his early life, his background. His background was, um, well, Syrian-born. He was born in Aleppo in 1924, and he was from a Jewish family, uh, this is pre-Israel, pre the formation uh, establishment of the state of Israel, of course, um, an Arabs, uh, Arabic-speaking Jewish family. And he learned um, Hebrew uh, at the at Orthodox Jewish schools. And then he, he joined the, the Hebrew, the Zionist Hebrew scouts. But when he was 18, he traveled to Palestine, which was then um, under a British rule, a British mandate. Mm. And Within two, two years of, of, of getting there, he was recruited by the uh, the Jewish underground and he was posted to this secret unit, which was called the Arab Platoon, which was um, for people like himself who were able to pose as Arabs. Um, and it was set up in anticipation of the forthcoming hostilities that were going to um, be an ongoing uh, Arab-Jewish uh, factor. Yeah. Because so, I'm um, conscious the time, 24, let's say born in 24, so we're talking 42. So this is kind of five years before the, the establishment of the Israeli exactly. state. It's, it's when, when he's kind of, he's he arrives there and he is recruited. Exactly. And he was able to pass as an Arab without suspicion, uh, without arousing suspicions, because he'd studied Islam and Arab customs intensively. Um, okay. So so he, he became involved in, in quite a few pretty um, daring escapades uh, uh, during the course of the next decade. Well, tell us about some of them. Well, there was one which was uh, an attempt to assassinate um, a, a, a Palestinian leader, Sheikh Nimr al-Khatib. Um, this is in February 1948. Um, and the Sheikh was said to be en route uh, to Palestine from Lebanon with weapons and the plan was that gunmen would fire on his car. And Isaac, seemingly uh, an Arab bystander, was instructed to kind of run up and appear to be helping when the when they shot, but actually to make sure that the sheikh was dead. And if he wasn't, he was to finish him off with a handgun. Mm-hmm. So the, the sheikh's car was sprayed with machine gun fire. 
And as directed, he um, started running towards it, but he was prevented from reaching it by British soldiers. Uh, so he didn't actually finish the latter part of that um, mission. Oh, okay. But the Sheikh was actually badly wounded and had to leave Palestine, didn't play any further part in the war. Uh, you mentioned as well earlier, you said like, you know, a- a- explosions and bombings. Talk, talk to us about some other stuff he did. Yeah, there was a, there was one uh, which had in more ways than one an effect on his life and, and, and career. It was a garage bomb. Um, he was He was sent with a platoon colleague to a garage in Haifa um, they, in, their intelligence had indicated that there was a car bomb being assembled there. And he said later that the, the owners didn't suspect them at all. Um, they didn't want to let them bring the car into the garage, but they did let them use the bathroom. And while the two uh, commandos, if you like, were in the bathroom, they activated a timed fuse on an explosive device that they had. And then they beat a, a hasty retreat. And then minutes later, there was a massive uh, explosion, a huge blast, demolished the garage and several adjoining buildings. And it killed at least five people and many were, were injured. Wow. Okay. So that was a yeah. pretty big uh, event. Yeah, a huge event. I, I'm kind of just, you know, assassinations and car bombings are, are kind of, you know, military operations, if I call it that. People would have their own views on all of this. But, but I mean, you know, when we describe him as a spy, was he out there kind of, you know, gathering intelligence, you know, taking little he, he was, with these miniature yeah. cameras and James Bond type stuff I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, he was definitely in, involved in that, particularly a bit later. Um, um, and in 1948, when the state of Israel was established, the British had withdrawn. Um, the Arab platoon agents were sent to Arab countries to gather information and to um, prevent threats. And they saw themselves, he said himself, we were sent to gather intelligence, but we also saw ourselves as soldiers and we looked for opportunities to to act. And he was he's two years undercover in Beirut, which must have been pretty dangerous. Yeah. He, he bought a, a kiosk and an Oldsmobile car, a General Motors, an old General Motors Oldsmobile to use as a taxi to give him cover. And uh, mm-hmm. there was another occasion when they planted a bomb in this yacht, uh, which was uh, a luxury yacht owned by a rich Lebanese person who had the yacht had been used apparently by the Nazis during World War Two. And in fact, it was it was intended to convey Hitler in triumph to London after the uh, Nazis had ostensibly um, conquered Britain. But uh, anyway, they they um, it was it was the their intelligence indicated to them that it was going to be converted into a gunship right uh, so they they um uh, planted the bomb it didn't actually sink the yacht but it damaged it enough to prevent its use for for military operations all right okay so some success uh, um did they did, did they always be, meet with success no, there was no quite a few uh, failures. I imagine there was an attempt, um, uh, which was a big disappointment for him. To they were attempting to assassinate the Lebanese prime minister, um, and that was planned for December 1948. And they were following the the prime minister, trailing his movements. But at the very last moment, and to his, as I say, disappointment, the operation was called off by senior Israeli leaders. Oh, right. OK, so that got called off. Uh, this is this attempt to, to assassinate 
the Prime Minister of Lebanon. Uh, did he did he have a family? Did he have did he have a love life, John? He 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 did actually, Karen. Yeah, I mean it's it's quite sad in a way. While he was undercover in Beirut, he had met and fallen in love with a Christian Lebanese woman, but the relationship came to a quick end when her brother discovered that she was actually uh, going out or seeing a Muslim. Now, he wasn't, of course, a Muslim. He was Jewish, but he was purporting to be Arab. Ah. So that was the end of that. That was the end of that. I know. It's, uh, did, was there a point in any of this that, I know, to, to use a phrase maybe from this part of the world, that he had a Damascene conversion or, or anything? Did he begin to kind of regret anything he was doing? He did. He did. He had second thoughts. And I mean, this whole issue of, you know, kind of, in quotes, terrorism, you know, freedom fighter, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and maybe parallels with certain places closer to home that yeah. we could look at. Yeah. I mean, he 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 did later in later on in Beirut, he encountered relatives of the uh, some of those killed in the garage bombing that I mentioned, the, the one in Haifa. And they they thought he was he was actually um, Arab, so they they spoke to him freely. And in his memoir, he later kind of said, "Until then, I never thought about the people who were killed, but there in Beirut, an old Arab sat facing me, weeping for his two sons who were killed in the blast that I had taken part in carrying out." And that meeting. Like, as you say, kind of Damascene, that, that meeting caused a shift in his in his thinking. And his mm. son, um, Isaac's son, Yaakov, said later, Dad always knew that if we only use force, it would only lead to more war. But he, he didn't completely turn his back, did he? I mean, I'm sure Mossad had other plans for him. Oh, they did. Yeah, I know he didn't. I mean, this guy was, you know, was a. A warrior, um, but he they took full Mossad took full um, advantage of him and his talents in in recruiting and managing um, other agents uh, working undercover, uh, and secondly, in setting up military operations where uh, Israeli fighters were were trained to use um, Arab cover. Um, one of his his protege, Ehud Barak, who was you know, later to become prime minister of, of Israel, uh, was the commander of the, that unit. And another member of it, incidentally, was Benjamin Netanyahu, oh, current right. prime minister. Very interesting. Look, has any, surely some element of this man's story, if not all of it, has, has, has been made into a movie? Well, yeah, I think you're spot on there, because actually he, he was involved in building the cover story for a man called Eli Cohen. And I don't know if you saw it, but there was a very good, actually, six-part TV series uh, on Netflix last year. Uh, it was made in 2019. Um, and it was about an Israeli spy who penetrated the top circles of the Syrian regime in the 1960s. Uh, I didn't see it. This is with Sasha Baron Cohen, was it? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Sasha Baron Cohen played, I don't think any relation, <laughs> Eli Cohen uh, was the name of the spy. But he rose to extreme, um, you know, kind of high circles in, in political circles in, in that Syrian um, government regime. Um, uh, he was ultimately exposed. And uh, well, no spoilers. I won't tell you how it All ended, right, but okay. it's actually pretty good. All right. Pretty good. 
might might go back and watch that uh, the spy on on Netflix. Uh, did he did he, well? He obviously lived a long life, as I mentioned at the very start. He died only very recently, age ninety six. Uh, did he continue his work with Mossad for years? Did he retire? What did he do? He officially retired in in nineteen in nineteen eighty two. So he would have been what um, you know, kind of normal retirement age. But Mossad continued to use him to sort of train agents and very occasionally to participate in operations. The reason being that undercover, he could assume the role of an elderly Arab man, you know, slow moving, maybe needing assistance, needing maybe to go into somebody's home to make an urgent phone call uh, or making casual contact with somebody who was going to be a potential spy. And his handlers felt that an older man would be and probably was less suspicious. No, nobody suspects those retirees, John. I know better. I know better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm just an old bean, you know. <laughs> well, listen, a, a fascinating life. I, I don't think, you know, one six-part series on Netflix about one little aspect that, that he had a role in is enough. That There has to be a, a movie in there. Maybe you're the man to make it. John, a pleasure. As always, uh, John Kelleher there, another edition of The Last Post, and you can listen back to all previous editions. They're on the News Talk app. That is our lot for today's Hard Shoulder Off the Ball. They will be up next uh, from 7. Kieran Shane will be with you in the morning from 7. I'll be back from 4. Have a good one. Music.